from Car Rigs and Ingram, this is It Figures, the CRI podcast, an accounting, advisory, and industry-focused podcast for business and organization leaders, entrepreneurs, and anyone who is looking to go beyond the status quo. Hello and welcome to this episode of the It Figures podcast. Today we're going to be talking about some COVID-19 governmental questions. My name is Robert Lemon. I'm an audit partner with CRI in the Gainesville office. We've been receiving a lot of government questions from uh, from various clients asking about how to handle COVID-19 and, and all the ramifications. So that's a little bit about what, what I wanted to discuss today. With me on the podcast is Ray Roberts and Becky Hammond. Ray, do you want to introduce yourself? Thank you, Rob. I, my name is Ray Roberts. I'm the government audit lead for Car Rigs and Ingram. Uh, in my some of my past lives, I was on the AICPA Government Audit Quality Center Executive Committee. Uh, I've been on the Technical Issues Committee for the AICPA as the Government Task Force Chair, and then also currently I'm a active peer reviewer under AICPA and a subject matter expert in the government area for the AICPA. Thank you, Ray. Ray is definitely a subject matter expert. He, the reason I wanted to have him with us today is because I call him up when, whenever we've got tricky questions, he's always got a good answer. So I know he's going to have a good answer to some of these questions. And the other person I always call with a tricky question is Becky. So Becky, do you want to introduce yourself? Thanks, Rob. Hi, I'm Becky Hammond with the New Orleans office of CRI. I have spent over 20 years in pretty much nothing but governmental um, or a large percentage of it um, and lots of single audits. So um, I, I'm often called the guru of that subject matter um, and I have a true passion for it. I'm also really active in the Louisiana Society of CPAs, uh, their governmental committee and um, present uh, each year at several of their, their conferences on anything related to, to governmental topics. Um, I'm also a, a assistant line leader um, to back Ray up for the firm uh, uh, regarding anything related to, to governmental subjects and technical aspects as well as marketing. Excellent stuff. So as you can see, I've got two wonderful, talented people helping me today. And I'm just gonna fire through a few of the questions that I've seen governments raising as they're trying to make make their way through all of this COVID confusion. So I'm going to throw out a few questions and, and my experts will help to give us answers. And first thing that, I, that, that I've got as a question was a government asked, what budget-related advice would you give to a small government that doesn't really have the resources to do a lot of detailed revenue forecasts and, uh, and they're getting a lot of revenue from pass-through sources from other governments. So any budget-related advice either of you guys have that you would offer a small government? Hey, Rob, I'll take that one. You know, one thing that any small or anybody relying on another organization needs to do is just communicate. And there's nothing, everybody has communication issues in your firm, in your house, wherever it might be. But this is really important just to over-communicate, especially when somebody else is collecting the money that your money on your behalf or collecting money on your behalf. So reach out to that 
other person, the other government, and find out if they can help you estimate what that forecast is of revenue going forward. They they probably know what they have been doing all these years. Uh, so they, they have potentially have more staff to help you. So keep working on that uh, and do it by revenue source. If you have potential, you have property taxes from one place, sales taxes from another place. And so just you might have to communicate with a couple different places, some with the state, some with somebody in your county, whatever it might be. But realize that each revenue stream is going to act different because property taxes, the lag will be there'll be a longer lag before you start seeing uh, problems with property taxes. Heck, depending on when your taxes are due, you might not see very much drop at all because hopefully this whole mess is going to be over soon. On sales tax, though, however, you're going to see that more than likely within 45, 60 days because the restaurants and the hotels are all you know, starting to close down and then they've been a month since they've been closed down. So soon you'll start seeing a reduction if you haven't already, depending on how your state is. So you'll have to plan for those losses sooner. So get with your group locally and say, hey, what are we going to do? You have an idea when gross sales tax comes in, property taxes come in, work on projecting that out by month over the, the year's time, communicate with the person collecting it, see if your numbers matches, matches up with their numbers. All of you sit down and project that out and uh, try to decide what to do and hit some expenses related to when those monies are going to come in. And if you had, we're counting on money coming in that's not going to because you have a, a high tourist season or something like that, then potentially you'll have to make some uh, cuts. But this is not a, just a one, one thing and you're done. You have to continue uh, looking at it probably monthly as things change. Uh, when, how long this lasts, when things starts opening back up, maybe the restaurants and stuff will open up partially and then the hotels, you know, and kind of phase that in. As you get new information, you need to look at each one of those uh, revenue streams and project that out for the rest of the year and communicate with the person collecting them. So I think that you go a long way by doing that. I think so too. I, I like that, Ray. That's, that's some really good points there. Like you say, communication is obviously key. If there's other pass-through entities collecting the revenue, they're going to have the best insights, I think. And so, yeah, communication is key. And break it down by revenue stream. You can't just apply a, a flat, you know, minus 10, minus 20% to every every line or something like that on your revenues and, and think you're going to be anywhere close to good. And, and like you say, refreshing your estimates because, it, gee, we all know how quickly things have changed. So so I think there's some really good points. And uh, and I like that uh, I like that answer. I think that's going to be good for a lot of our local small governments. Um, I got another question kind of in a similar vein as well that this was posed to me the other day. People wanted to know what extra funding uh, they, they should be looking out for? What, what, what extra funding should governments be keeping their eyes for that's COVID-related? Um, so any, any thoughts on that, anyone? Yeah, I have some, some great thoughts on that. As, as most of us are aware, the CARES Act was passed with tons of relief for state and local governments. Um, however, the problem has been that there hasn't been a whole lot of information uh, since the passage of that act as to, you know, to how do we get that funding? How are we going to go about it? So, you know, what we're recommending is 
I'm going to go through kind of just high level what some of those things are um, so that if, if you think that's going to apply to your government, you can go and kind of Google and go to the agency that that's uh, specifically um, a, kind of assigned to, to that, that section of funding and see, you know, how is it something that's going to go through a state or do you have to apply directly for it and that sort of thing. Um, the biggest thing that we want to help with in, in this piece of the puzzle is knowledge, at least knowing that that funding's out there so that you can go try to, to find out how to get it. Um, the, the first big piece of the, the CARES Act for governments was the Coronavirus Relief Fund. This is about $150 billion that's going to be um, divvied out uh, through the states and territories and tribal entities. Um, there is a $1.25 billion state minimum on it, which is great for those smaller states. Um, but any local government that has a 500,000 or greater um, population uh, will be able to apply for a direct payment. Um, and the deadline on that, um, I believe, is coming up pretty soon. Um, so it's today. So, <laughs> um, so if you haven't applied for that already, you may have missed out on that. Um, that's just for the larger governments. And then the states will receive um, 55% of that pool of money is going to go to the states, which will then you know, be divvied out to the different governments. Um, and obviously, each state will probably have a different way that they are um, asking that that their governments apply for it, a different way to allocate those funds. Um, but the big things to think about are that this is going to be for any expenditure incurred that's due to COVID-19 that was now not accounted for in your most recent budget passed as of the day of the CARES Act, March 27th. So if you haven't budgeted it by March 27th, then it would be eligible, an eligible expenditure for this coronavirus relief fund. Um, the other piece is that the expenditures can be incurred between March 1st and December 31st. So this will obviously be a, a continuous process of, of you keeping track of your, your expenditures to request reimbursement in future um, periods. Some other funding that's coming down the pipe uh, is the emergency relief and taxpayer protections. Um, it's about $500 billion um, to the Treasury Stabilization Fund to, to fund loans, loan guarantees, and some other investments. So um, there'll be a, a pool of money there to support the Federal Reserve's lending facilities um, that'll be um, available to municipalities and governments. Good stuff. So lots of, uh, lots of places to keep an eye on. Uh, I realize the deadline today for, for a lot of the bigger governments is, uh, is, is, is obviously coming pretty quickly. But from what I'm hearing, the questions, the, the bigger, bigger governments are probably already covered and, and have got their applications in. Um, but, but a lot of other things coming down the pipe, it sounds like, for, for the smaller governments to keep an eye on and, and, and uh, just got to stay tuned. I also wanted to, to mention a few other things just so that, that the folks listening can at least hear that it's out there and be able to go, go search for it. Um, one is the Federal Reserve's Municipal, Municipal Liquidity Fund. Um, that's going to be a facility for some short-term notes. 
Um, and then also there's a bunch of specific funding to uh, individual agencies. Um, some examples of that, uh, the Federal Transit Administration's allocating $25 billion to, to the recipients of their, um, their formula grants. Um, and this is going to be 100% federal share, which is great because often those grants are at uh, 75% previously so so the covid related funding will be at 100% and it is actually going to be available to support any capital operating or other expenses that that they have during the period beginning on January 20th so that's going to be a lot of great funding for transit systems um there's 10 billion for airports 7 billion for affordable housing and homelessness uh, assistance programs uh, many of the individual governments have already been awarded community development block grants and emergency solution grants as a result of, of that particular program. There's another six and a half billion for economic development administration, one and a half million for um, coming out of the CDC for state and local preparedness grants. A good bit of that has been awarded to the individual states in March and April, and there's some some budget and budget narratives that are due on April 20th related to that. Um, tons, tons and tons of funding out there, $100 billion to um, department from the ho- Department of Housing. Um, Lots of stuff. You, you've done your research clearly, Becky. I knew, I knew you were the right person to call. <laughs> for sure. But uh, yeah. And then lots of grants. Um, various different types of FEMA grants, both performance and emergency. And then, you know, I understand there's a big pool of money there um, that has yet to be decided how that's going to be handled. Um, that will, will work similar to how things happen when hurricanes hit and those kinds of things. So um, stay tuned. Keep keep looking for things that are related to your organization because there's there's lots of money out there. Very good. Hey, Rob, one thing to mention as all this new money comes out is most government money grants, especially, have some sort of uh, compliance requirements to it. And right now, all this money and all these different organizations, they're, they're doing really a good job of trying to get this money out. I know like Louisiana has been approved for $1.8 billion. New Mexico, where I'm at, is about $650 million. It's all based on size. But nobody knows what the strings are going to be to this money. So what we what we're recommending just logistically for our clients is to just document document document. Everything you can think of to document the cost that you are incurring related to COVID. You know, set up a new account in each each fund or maybe even in each department depending on the size of your organization and start uh, tracking the additional salaries you paid, uh, additional cleaning supplies you paid, temporary uh, housing or uh, testing facilities, all that type of cost, maybe even some of the overhead related to planning meetings related to that, and track that cost uh, in separate accounts so you can go back and do that. Because as Becky said, you know this cost is already back from March 1st all the way to 1231 that you could potentially get reimbursed for or use. Uh, you're going to get a certain amount of money allocated from the state, but you can use that numbers to support what that you deserve that money and you begin to keep that money. So track that cost uh, it, by fund and my, it might make it easier for you. So also is 
most of them don't have agreements yet. They haven't told us what the CFDA numbers are, the federal catalog numbers are, so we can look up what the, the compliance requirements are. So just a lot of the compliant requirements are similar for different agencies. And so at least have the basic ones down. Are the cost allowable, allow, allowed and allowable? You know, are they, uh, are you checking with the, if they're disbarred or not on who you're paying this money to, your vendors, you know, some of those type things and keep that kind of documentation. Also, one thing is currently I haven't found anything where they're going to give you any money or allow you to get reimbursed for any lost revenue. They're only going to give you so far uh, money for additional expenses. Now, there's another tranche of this money coming out, and a lot of it, as it's what we've heard, part four of it is going to be directed to the state and local governments. So in that case, some of us are hedging our bets now and telling our clients to watch and track now while it's easier and happening to you how much money, how much revenue you've lost because of this, just in case that this new tranche of money will have that in there because it's going to be so much easier to track it now versus going back and trying to track it at that time. So again, document, document, document is a way to uh, do this. Right now, you don't even know what you're supposed to be document. So if you're thinking about it, write it down and that, that potentially will help you. It probably won't get you any more money because the states are going to allocate it however they're going want to, but it'll potentially have a, a huge effect on if you're going to be able to keep what you got. So I just wanted to throw that out there on the compliance side, Rob. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a really good addition because there'd be nothing worse than, than getting getting some funding, trying to cover these costs and get through this difficult period and then to find out, oh, you've not been compliant uh, with the requirements or you can't prove compliance or you can't you know, uh, separately identify the expenditures because you, di you didn't have a separate uh, account for them. So I think that was a really good addition and just making sure you can prove compliance as best you can. I think that's a, that's a very good addition. So thank you for that, Ray. With that, I'm going to move on to uh, one additional question I've got for, for today. Here's one I got, which, uh, which asks that uh, local hotels, they pay quarterly. Now we know hotels have been having a tough time, obviously, um, but you know they're paying their taxes quarterly. And we, we, we obviously know that they're going to drop a lot but how much is a reasonable drop and how can we be sure they're not lowballing us now on their taxes and their re revenue estimates um, to, to reduce the amount of taxes paid? So, you know, with hotels being hit so hard, how can we know what's reasonable to expect and, and make sure we're not getting a, getting a, a bit of a lowball amount from the hotels? Anyone got any thoughts? Just to let you know, I, our firm does a lot of hotels and, of course, a lot of governments. And the lodger's tax, as we call it out here in New Mexico, is a vital, vitally important to especially smaller cities and stuff on help uh, advertise their town to get people to come to their town for conventions or athletic events or whatever it might be. And so that money is vital to the continued uh, vitality of the organizations or the governments. We all know that the governments are rely on that. And just like I mentioned earlier, hopefully by now you've went through and you're going to analyze how much money you got from lodger's tax throughout the year. And you, because that's one of the revenue streams that you need to analyze by month to see how you're going to get that money. But 
then you kind of know, you know what the state or the local uh, stay in, in place or if they've closed down hotels or restaurants or if the restaurants are just doing uh, takeout, whatever it might be. And then you can go and do some math. If you, I know at one time our hotels could only have 50% occupancy, but now I think they're closed down completely. So you can do that math based on public records. You can also maybe get a hold of a hotel report. Most hotels have these reports called star reports where they can they tell you what the occupancy for a particular chain of uh, hotels are uh, in, in your area. So you can get that to use that information. Uh, or another option that I know out here in New Mexico they're required to do is each entity has a accounting firm or someone to go out and audit the records to see if the hotels are paying what they're supposed to pay on a, on a sample basis. So there's a variety of different ways, but it all goes back to the original planning, which is know how you receive that revenue stream. And then based on the information you have in the public, you know, by the new regulations and stay in place orders, kind of do a, a rough estimate there. And then you can kind of verify those numbers by getting maybe industry reports uh, from some of the hotels to say what the occupancy really is and then and or go out and do some of these specialty audits or agreed upon procedures to make sure that uh, people are paying what they're supposed to. It's, it's my experience that a lot of people do what's inspected instead of what's expected. And so if you go out and inspect a few, I, I'm sure it'll get around the community that you're out looking. So I, I think that'll at least give you some comfort if you do some of those things, Rob, to see if the hotels are paying what they're supposed to. Good tips. Very good tips indeed, because Certainly, this is going to be an industry that's going to have some really funky numbers for, for a couple of quarters at least here. And it's, the more you can keep a close eye on them, I think you're right. That's going to, going to give you a bit more comfort that you're getting something close to accurate because same as last year, it ain't going to happen. So I think uh, a little bit more close monitoring should get you comfortable that you are getting some good info, getting good numbers. Um, those are really the first, first questions I've got. So I, I want to thank Becky and Ray, for, for taking the time to, to chat and answer some of my questions today. Please do uh, stay tuned for another episode of COVID-19 governmental questions. I've got other questions I'm going to do on a different podcast, so there'll be another episode at some point. But with that, I'm going to sign off and just thank you all for listening to It Figures and hope you all have a good day. If you want more CRI insights or are interested in learning about our firm, please visit our website at CRICPA.com. Thanks for listening to this episode of It Figures, the CRI podcast. You can subscribe to It Figures on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you prefer to listen to your podcasts. If you liked what you heard today, please leave us a review.